Hello and welcome to A Better Father. Today I wanted to talk about a book that I read. I'm trying to actually do some of these podcasts more around things that are actually in my brain or get sparked or inspired by things that I'm reading or ingesting or podcasts I'm listening to or whatever because there's a lot of information out there and it gets stuck in my head and that's one of the reasons I do this is to try to unstick it. And so I recently audio booked it's still that weird thing, even though you'd have no idea whether I said read or listened to or whatever, like there's like a weird kink where you have to say, I audio booked it or I listened to it instead of reading it, even though it's all kind of the same thing at the end of the day. But it's The Extended Mind, The Power of Thinking Outside the Brain by Annie Murphy Paul. And you, I'll link to obviously the book and then um, the next big idea club is where this came from which I would highly recommend uh, downloading the Next Big Idea Club app on iOS or Android. Uh, They have lots of little book breakdowns and interviews and all this really great stuff. Well, one of the things that stuck out to me from the Next Big Idea, or from the extended mind, is all the ways that are, like, it's, I grew up in the era when, like, they told us or said or science or whoever was saying we only use like 10% of our brain and 90% is untapped. And as we've evolved through science since I've been alive, they kind of learned that's crap. For the most part, we're basically using our brains to their full capacity. That's what current science says. And, or is saying, I should say. So who knows, tomorrow it could change, next week it could change. But what the extended mind is saying is that our we see our brains as these internal things we see our brains as literally separate from our bodies we say mind and body as if they're two separate things and they're just not it's all connected if anything it's hyper connected because all of these things are required to function together or controlled by one and the other and the brain is not separate from the body it's not mind and body it's the body and this is the argument of the extended brain but there are outside influences and there are ways we relate to our body when we understand that our brain is part of our body and that they work together like they're they're not set it's almost it feels weird to say that because they just it's one solid unit and it's all it's all part of the same structure and so it's the things and this is where it gets frustrating for me as a parent or as somebody who's trying to teach his kid or somebody who grew up and somebody who lives in the world today where we're told what our brains are supposed to do or what we're supposed to do or somebody tells us we're supposed to do and then people don't get the results they're looking for or they wonder why they're not successful or they wonder why they're not this or that and it's because we were told the wrong things and we were taught the wrong things and we were made to do the wrong things and one of the main things that stuck out to me And I'm not making this as a judgment, but you'll hear the judgment in my voice, is one day I, my daughter, she forgot her backpack, so I had to drive home and get it. I went into her classroom and I set it down. And as I walked in, and this was maybe five minutes after the class started, so I asked my daughter about this later, and yes, this is how her day starts, is the entire class was sitting in front of a laptop with headphones on, the teacher in the corner with his back to the classroom, who only turned around because he heard me come in, and I was just like, this, this is how you start your day? Like, this this is it? <laughs> like, you wake up, you eat breakfast, you get driven to school, you sit down in front of a computer and put on headphones? Like, 
you should be moving. Your first thing at school should be should be body movement. It should be sparking your brain. It should be getting your juices flowing and your blood pumping. And and for some reason we think or we've been taught, and I know this because I was a kid and I was taught this stuff that, you know, you shut up, you sit down, you don't speak, you don't move. If you're fidgety, you get sent to the principal's office. If you're fidgety, you're labeled as ADD or hyperactive or a bad student, which won't go into my traumatic childhood, but I was a kid who moved around a lot. And it was this constant source of shame. And so I get it. And this the extended mind talks about this, so I'm not just like hashing out my childhood, but it's shown to be beneficial. Like literally right now as I'm talking to you, my hands are clenched and 10 seconds ago they were open as I'm making these, like literally I can't even stop myself from moving them right now because one, I'm getting excited and active, but it helps you talk to move your body. It helps you to communicate to people, helps you communicate things like without rabbit holing in a direction, it's actually beneficial and again, according to this book and the research and stuff. So let's just go off that so I don't have to keep preferencing it or defending the thought I'm having here. If you're in your brain going like, no, that sounds wrong. No, this is coming from the book. No, this is where I'm getting this information and know that uh, that's I'm talking from that with things I agree with. So I'm not going to defend it anymore. But like counting with your hands is actually beneficial because it frees up brain space as you're thinking and doing other things because then you're not trying to hold two things together. But it was I've seen it recently where my daughter using her fingers to count and stuff is like, oh, we need to we need to stop that habit. You need to stop using your fingers and your hands to count. But it's 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 beneficial. It helps. And to restrict and restrain and as and I've probably mentioned this many times before, but it just sticks with me and it breaks my heart that kids stop drawing and stuff around the age of eight because they stop being encouraged with that. They start getting told like, okay, you had your fun. Now you got to focus on these other things. Now you got to start doing your math and your reading and becoming a good student. By And I'm very forceful about this, but just idiots who don't understand that the drawing and the writing helps them do all these other things. Having that creative outlet. And some kids can draw out scenarios. Some kids can draw out solutions to problems some kids need to doodle or stare off into space and and the more I, I read and learn about and then she actually talks about in the book too these people who we revere as geniuses they would literally just sit and think they would sit and and process stuff they would shut out the world and just you know take a nap at two and wake up and be like now I've got the solution I mean Albert Einstein talked about how he would sleep and nap and how sleep was the most important thing. And I can't come with other names off the top of my head, but out of all the stuff I've read with the philosophers, the scientists, the creative people, the people that we believe have changed our worlds and our lives, like drugs, sleep, and creativity seem to be the common denominator of all the people we revere. And to just randomly learn and it was like this stuff was kind of hidden for a while and it's starting to come out more. You learn more, people just ignored it because like drugs were seen as bad, pot was seen as bad. So you just kind of like either made a joke of it or pretended not to know that, you know, the rock stars you listened to smoked a lot of pot or the actors you loved or whatever because it was seen as bad. But it was like at the same time, 
that's the stuff they did because they were always on or that helped their creativity or helped them calm down or it calmed down their brain from like always having to like interact and play in the world. And it's like, we were taught all these things were bad. We're like Steve Jobs famously, or famously for me in the circles I run in, which are mainly just my head in books. Like when he dropped acid, he said it was the most important thing in his life. And then there have actually, if you've ever watched any documentaries on Steve Jobs or you find them, there's actually like one from the late 80s of him saying to like a Stanford, I think it was a Stanford classroom, like dropping acid was the best, smartest thing I ever did. That's That unlocked who I would become. And it was just like, well, what did you do to become Steve Jobs? Dropped acid. Like it's just like, holy shit. All right. Um, gotcha. But it's so anyway, <laughs> sorry, a little off track there, but it's just frustrating that we're told not to do the things that are exactly the things we need to be doing. And so in the book, the thing that really stuck out to me was the movement of your hands and the way we can communicate. But we tell kids to sit and fold their hands at the table. And we tell kids to sit quietly at their desk. And we tell kids this and that. And and it's, it's about control, which, you know, go back to last week's podcast with power and everything. But we're we're doing it wrong. And we're not letting kids express themselves. And instead of and I've heard this before in some of the books I've read where we look at kids and think, how do we make them act more like us? And we should be looking at kids and thinking, how do we act more like that? How do we get more in touch with this creative side? And it's weird because when you look at society and it's like we almost don't admit it or own up to it or it's like we're scared of it. But when coloring became a big like therapy thing for people to sit in color and they literally like ran out of coloring books for a while because like they were being bought up all over the place was because to do this stuff is actually beneficial. And then we're telling our kids not to do it. We're, ta- we're pushing this out of our kids lexicon of things and we're putting in front of screens and TVs and iPads. And it's like, just hand them a colored pencil and a coloring book, hand them some crayons and a piece of paper and Instead of getting them to do this thing that's passive, keep their brain engaged and active. And I know that could be a bigger argument and debate, and I'm very staunch on my on my screen views because the more that comes out about it, the more I think it is bad. And the more I see my daughter, like there, I don't know if I've said this on here or not, but I, I had a weird insecure moment and I just asked her like, because she's watching, she's gotten more TV in the last two years than she did the first six years of her life. And it's that insecurity of like, man, am I like this bad parent in her eyes? Or I'm the one who can't go to dad's house and watch TV now or whatever. And so I just asked her because I was kind of getting to this heartbreaking, sad, like I'm failing in a way or I'm being out, outdone with sugar and TV at not our house. And I just asked her like, do you miss TV or do you, I don't remember how I worded it. It was like, do you miss watching shows or movies or TV or whatever when you're here? And she just goes, no, not really. And I was like, and that was literally her answer was, no, not really. I was like, oh, okay. And it was just this weird insecurity. Like, you can probably hear me tearing up right now just thinking about it because it was just like, that was one of my fears is we didn't do sugar and we didn't do screens and it was going to be sugar and screens the minute that door shut behind me and I moved out and that's what it was. And I was just like, I'm going to lose this battle. I'm going to lose my daughter because I can't do things that I believe to be harmful, which everybody's doing the best they can with whatever they can and how they're doing it and what they know. It's my view on that. But it's what I full-heartedly believe and will back it up if I needed to or have to all the time. But 
And it was just like, I'm going to lose because I can't compete with Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and, you know, Disneyland of screens. And and I'm not. And, and it was heartbreakingly awesome to hear. And it was so sad to have to ask that. But anyway, that's, again, going off on a tangent there. But anyway, so like we do these things where... I hear people all the time about, and I was a kid, I was the generation that grew up with TV babysitting us. And, and I wish I hadn't, I, I wish somebody had handed me more often and people can always be like, Oh, I can't. And I've heard my mom say this and I'm not knocking my mom. She did a great job and I could go into all of that and blah, blah, blah. But, and we all made our mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But eh, if somebody had just said, you don't get to watch TV, sorry, here's a crayon and a piece of paper I might argue I may have fought I may have sat there and pouted but eventually I would have picked up the crane because I would have got bored <laughs> and I would have just said fine I'm tired of sitting here whether it was a half hour or six days eventually if you didn't let me have tv I was going to fill that time and I did fill that time in different ways and unfortunately way too much of it in front of a tv but I wish somebody had done for me what I'm trying to do for my daughter which is just books paper and crayons everywhere like that's just available it's in the car it's god if you saw my living room right now because she just left and it's just literally books everywhere it's i'm not proud of that i want to clean it up i will clean it up that's my weekend project wash rinse and repeat and it'll be like this again in a couple of days thankfully and it'll be like this next weekend and i love it i love looking and seeing all these books i don't want to live in it when she's not here but i love seeing it and i fine with her doing it and it took me a while to get there but back to the extended mind so I highly recommend it you can audible it or whatever I think it's on actually I got it on Libby for free the Libby app if you have library card you can get Libby for free and all these great books I always check Libby and Hoopla first but I got it on Libby and I listened to it and just to hear the way that we interact with the world around us and that the extended mind, who we are and how we interact with the world goes beyond our brains. Like our brains are literally being formed. And it's like, it sounds almost dumb to say it out loud because it seems like something we know, but we don't treat it that way. It's like the whole, I grew up with a, you are what you eat saying, and then we just pile junk into our bodies and we're just like where are what you eat ah ha ha and it's like well yeah welcome to your heart attack at 40 like jesus and it's but sorry um but our brains are being formed and we are developing based off these outside influences and for teachers parents, whatever, to tell their kids to sit there and be quiet, to tell them, you know, keep your hands folded in front of you, to tell them not to be so loud, to tell, like, these are all the things they need to do. This is all their ways of interacting with the world. And it's like, we're trying to force these kids to stop being kids, to quote unquote, teach them to be adults. And then you look at adults and there's a lot of a-hole adults and we're the ones screwing up the environment. And we're the ones who are in a situation where we might be in another civil war and we're the ones who are arguing over all this stupid stuff. I'm trying not to be political, but as adults, it's like, we don't have it figured out. You listen to these books, you read these books, you listen to these podcasts. And it's like science is figuring this stuff out all the time of just like, what makes us qualified if we don't have our crap together yet? Like, 
And I think it's good. This is not a knock, but when the pandemic hit, and I was just talking with a friend about this, actually, like they ran out of therapists, online therapists and regular therapists, because people just got locked in and then they had nothing to do but, you know, kind of see themselves or see what it is they needed help with or what it was that was bothering them. And when you're shuttered in and you have nothing to do but kind of self-evaluate, like the world comes crashing down for people apparently, which again is good. Everybody should be talking to a therapist whether you think you need it or not because chances are you do. And and it's like, and we're the ones telling kids what it, what they need. And it just seems like the more I learn, the more I read, the more science comes out, we're just wrong. And Again, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, but to try to force these little people to do what we want or say what we think they need to say or act the way we think they need to act and then to be like, oh yeah, sorry for your childhood. Turns out I was wrong, um, but I was doing the best I could with what I had. Well, there's more information out there. And again, we're not teaching teachers about nutrition. We're not teaching them the latest science and they're going through these curriculums and, these, and, and the ways to teach our kids, which just... And again, it's like this whole convoluted system of stuff where that's where as a parent, I think it's important. Like they, like the one truism that I think holds true is the success of a child tends to, and this sucks because this is where class comes in and all this other stuff, but kids' success is based off parents' involvement for the most part. There's always exceptions. There's always blanks and blocks, but it's the parents' involvement, the parents teaching them the rain, the parents spending time with them and stuff, which again, sucks that that can't happen for everybody, but that's the success of the child, again, statistically speaking. And so the more that we can be aware of what it is that will help our kids be successful, however you find success or whatever you want their success to look like, there's new and good and better information to help us do that. And that's part of what I want to, that's my cat playing, sorry. And that's part of what I want to start talking about and referencing more as I listen to all this stuff is to help put it out to anybody who's listening to this because we don't have time to ingest all this. I happen to have a job and time when I don't have my daughter to do this stuff. So I do because I love it and it's helped me improve and helped me get through the last two years and through a horrible decade. But um, well, I can't say horrible decade because I got like six years of it with my daughter by myself, which was amazing. But <laughs> outside of that period of time, outside of being able to raise my daughter, it was pretty horrible. And so I, that's what I want to do is I want to start talking more about this, get it out of my head, get it out into the world and maybe hopefully help you spring thoughts and ideas and get your brain cooking and working and stuff too. And share little tidbits where the next time your kids talking with their hands or, trying to think something through, like encourage them. And this comes directly from the book. So I'm not like, you know, trying to sound like I figured it out or whatever. Somebody else way smarter than me did. But she's like, she's, I'm trying to encourage my kids and my students because she's a college professor that if they're struggling with something or they're trying to figure something out or a problem, to start using your hands, start talking with your hands, gesturing with your hands, you move your body because moving your body Again, brain and body are all one. It's it's not separate. It's not mind and body. It's all one big unit. And and that will help get the thoughts going. That'll help you figure and problem solve instead of just sitting there staring, which again, sometimes sitting and staring can help too. It just depends. But the point of her book was the more you move, the more you get this stuff out, the more successful you will be with 
processing and learning and figuring things out. And the more you can do that, the better off you'll be. So encourage your kids to move their body. Encourage your kids to not sit still. Encourage your kids to talk with their hands. Again, you always have to find what's individualized. You have to find out who they are as a person. But for the most part, from the book, from the research, which I'm doing exactly what I said I wasn't going to do, but getting up and moving your body, moving your hands, talking and gesturing, don't make them sit still. Don't force them to not move their body. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying we tend to find these bubbles of thinking it's it's bad or we were taught to do that, so then we kind of have to like relearn stuff. So anyway, I'm getting to the, the rambly part and the excuse part, and that's not the intent. Um, I will link to the extended mind in the show notes. I'll link to the Next Big Idea Club because it's absolutely amazing, and I highly recommend it. I'm actually part of a book club that's out of Australia connected to the Next Big Idea Club. So I always have to stay up like every six weeks uh, to like 11 to 1 or 10 to 1, depending on the time difference at that time. But there are a couple of great people over in Australia, and uh, I love talking with them about books. So I stumbled on that. And you can do the same. Uh, Meetup.com, I believe, is where most of the Next Big Idea Club book clubs are at. So anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you being here for me. Uh, I put it out last time, but a better father at iCloud.com if you want to send any thoughts or ask any questions or comment on anything or uh, give me your definition of power from last week's episode. Because uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out too. And I probably will keep struggling with that one for a while. So thank you very much. Goodbye.